0: Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. This series has been a, a staple for me. It has really uh, propelled me and helped me throughout this year. Uh, but if you notice, I didn't say that we're beginning a new series or we're starting a new series because... If you were here for our New Year's Eve Eve service, I got it right this time, y'all. I got it wrong. All last week. If you were here for our New Year's Eve Eve service, New Year's, can I finish? (laughs) New Year's Eve Eve service last year, see? Spoke too soon. If you were here for our New Year's Eve Eve service last year, uh, you remember we kicked off the series. Uh, But I really want to dive back into it because around the beginning uh, of the new year, what we do is we set goals, we we make New Year's resolutions, we we choose a word to focus on. And the beginning of of this year, the word we focused on was centered. We focused on centered. So I want to dive back into it because I truly believe when you begin something, you should finish it. Amen? When you begin something, you should finish it. Or we can remix that, y'all. When you end something, it's usually how you start something. If you end 2019 uh, being lazy and not really doing what you're supposed to do, nine times out of 10, you're going to begin 2020 being lazy, not doing what you're supposed to do. Here, I'll give you an example. My wife and I, we said, we're going to start eating healthy. We said, we're going to eat better. We're going to start eating healthy. But little did she know, we drove separate. Little did she know, I stopped at 7-Eleven and got a steak, egg, and cheese sandwich. (laughs) But we said we're gonna start eating healthy, we're gonna eat better, right? But I ended last night not eating healthy, and guess what, I began this morning not eating healthy. Usually when you end something, that's how you started. But how about we end this year being centered? How about we end this year the way we started this year being centered? How about we go into next year being centered. Because whether you believe it or not, something will happen next year that will try to knock you from off of being centered. Something may have happened this year that tried to pull you off the center or pull you off from being centered. Some event has happened, some situation we've experienced, people have taken our focus. People have knocked us off centered. And I don't know about you, but me alone this year, family turned fro, friends, Turn haters, uh, supporters, turn gossipers. Just this year alone, so many things have happened. So many people have came around to try to knock us off of being centered. But how about we end this year being centered in Christ? Because we can go into 2020 being centered in Christ. How about we end this year being centered in Christ? Because whether you, you like it or not, something will happen. The problems will still be there. The situations will still be there. Things will still arise. Don't think just because you make a New Year's resolution, and listen, I, I do the same thing. I, make, I set new goals, I set uh, New Year's resolutions, I choose a word. Don't think just because you set goals or, or make New Year's resolutions that the problems will just disappear. And I know this isn't your type of New Year's Eve message that you would give, or New Year's Eve, 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 because that's what this is. I know this isn't that type of message, but I got to be honest. See, we want to hear that, that happy-go-lucky, that, 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 that bubblegum type of stuff for New Year's Eve. But if we're really being honest, just because the clock strikes midnight, Just because the calendar goes from the 31st to the 1st, the problems will still be there, the issues will still be there, something will arise. But I wonder if you were centered, would that problem affect you the way it's affecting you? I wonder if you were centered, would that issue affect you the way it's affecting you? In other words, I know it's a new year, I know it's a new season, I know it's a new decade, but the problems will still sit there, the issues will still sit there, situations will still arise, but when you are centered in Christ, you don't focus on the problem, you look towards Him. When you are centered in Christ, you don't focus on the issue, you look towards the hills from which comes your help. And I don't know about you, but my help, my help, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. We, we began this year being centered. How about we end this year being centered in Christ? Because we can go into 2020 being centered in Christ. Here's what centered means. Centered means a person or thing that is the chief object of one's attention to give central focus, to be placed or situated in the center. A person or thing that is the chief object of one's attention to give central focus, to be placed or situated in the center. And I promise you we're gonna touch on both of those, but first and foremost, a person or thing that is the chief object of one's attention, to give central focus. I wonder what you've given your focus to this year. I wonder who or what has taken your focus off of God. My title today is simple, centered, centered. And we're going to a very familiar passage. But before we dive in, here's a little backdrop of our text. Paul and Silas, they were headed to prayer. Sure, y'all know exactly where I'm going now. They they were headed to prayer. They were in Philippi, right? And they come across this slave girl who who was possessed. We don't hear that word in church nowadays, do we? She she was possessed, the Bible says, by spirit of divination, which means she was a fortune teller. She she could tell the future. She was a fortune teller. And because of it, she made made a lot of money for her owners. She was a cash cow. She made a lot of moolah for her owners. But but Paul and Silas, they're headed to prayer, and they come across this, this slave girl. And she begins following them, shouting, these men right here, they're servants of the Most High God. See, these men right here, hey y'all, these men, they're servants of the Most High God. Everybody pay attention, these men are servants of the Most High God. But wait a minute, isn't she possessed? Possessed with the spirit of divination, which literally means the spirit of Python, a snake? And this reminded me of Genesis, because Satan is the snake, he is the serpent. So this implies to us that this was an unclean spirit. If we're being frank, it was demonic. But she's following behind Paul and and Silas saying, these men right here, they're servants of the Most High. Prepare attention, they're servants of the Most High. These men, y'all, look, they're servants of the Most High, which implies to us that even the enemy knows who the Most High is. It implies to us that even the devil knows. Even the demons know who the most high is. Even the enemy trembles at the word and the name of the Lord. But she doesn't just stop there. She said, they proclaim to you the way of salvation. She's telling the truth. Even the enemy knows that Jesus is the way to salvation. Because They were followers of Christ. Back then they were called followers of the way. And she's telling the truth. Even the enemy knows that Jesus is the way to salvation. But Paul, what he does is he gets annoyed. Because she keeps following him day after day, shouting this. He gets aggravated. And he turns to her and says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, come out of her. And the spirit left. Now I can't relate to that part but I can relate to somebody following you saying the same thing over and over and over because I got three kids. I got three kids and parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. Your children will follow you to the ends of the earth. Dad, can I have? Dad, I want. Dad, can I have? Dad, I want. Over and over. They will even follow you to the bathroom. Dad, I, I, I want. Dad, can I have? But I wish I could really turn like Paul and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, take a nap. And they go straight to sleep. <laughs> Paul, he was, he was annoyed. He was aggravated. And I don't want you to think I'm just talking about Paul's aggravation just because. Y'all know me better than that. We're going to tie that in at the end. But don't think just because Paul was Paul, because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he can't get upset. He can't get aggravated or annoyed. We've all been there. But when he turns and he, he, he says to her, come out of her and the spirit left. But now we have a problem because the cash cow has now disappeared. The way her owners were making their dough has now disappeared. So they're like, get them two right there. Get get, get Paul and Silas right there. Get them, the ones that's causing all this ruckus. The one that's caused all this disruption. Get them, seize them, and we're gonna take them in to be judged. And this is where we're picking up in our text. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 18. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. I'm sorry. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. First of all, she was following him, badgering them. But they said, these men are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in and attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off of them and gave orders to, be, to beat them with rods. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prayer. Listen, I, 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 the reason why I, I, I'm, because I want to get to it. I really want to get to it. Understand, they were there going to prayer. This was an attack of the enemy because this was a spirit of divination. Remember, she was a fortune teller. She, she, could, she could tell the future. So, so she had to have known that if I keep badgering them, Sooner or later, Paul will turn and cast me out, which will land them in prison. This was an attack of the enemy because she was a fortune teller. She knew the future. So she knew if she kept badgering Paul and Silas that they would turn and do something that would land them in prison. Let's keep going. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, He put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, these fools are plum nickel crazy. They've just been beat, thrown in prison, but they're singing and praising. And the prisoners were listening to them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you, God. First, I just thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for today, God. I ask that you allow your spirit to move. Decrease me, O God, so the people of God may see you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul and Silas were minding their business and here comes this fortune teller. Here comes this person that knew the future. And she started badgering them because she knew that sooner or later Paul would get annoyed. She knew the future. But they did nothing wrong and they were beaten and thrown in prison. And back in those days, Jewish law had a number of, of, of times that someone could be given blows. But here in Rome, there was no such thing. So it's safe to say that Paul and Silas were beaten until the one delivering the blows grew tired. It's safe to say that they weren't just beaten, they were severely beaten. It said they were given many blows. And they're hauled off to prison, taken to the inner prison, and their feet fastened in stocks. But they're not complaining. They're not whining. They're not uh, fussing about their circumstance. They're praying and praising. Here's my first point. My praise is not defined by what I see. My praise is not defined by what I see. Or oh, let me put it another way. My praise doesn't affect or doesn't reflect what I see. It doesn't reflect what I see. See, if we look back over our life, let's be honest, we realize that it looks better in retrospect. If we look back over our life, we realize things that we have went through, things we've experienced, it looks better in retrospect. Because once we came out of it, once we got through it, we realized that whatever has happened to me, it was done for a purpose. We realized that whatever I went through, whatever I experienced, when we come out of it, we realized it was a test. So we can have a testimony because the Bible says we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. When we look back over our life, we realize it looks better in retrospect. It looks better in retrospect. And all of us, we have a testimony. I'm not talking about that, that well, God did this for me or God did that. I'm talking about a show sure enough for real testimony. How many of us have a testimony? You, you have a testimony. I'm talking about uh, the fact that I used to mess folks over. I'm talking about the fact that I did folks dirty, that I sold all types of stuff. I'm talking about the fact that I showed up to church every single Sunday drunk. But, but early one Sunday morning, God reached out and snatched me. Early one Sunday morning, God reached out and saved me. I'm not talking about no bubblegum stuff. I'm talking about a show enough for real testimony. All of us have a testimony if we look back over our life. We all have a testimony, a show enough for real testimony. And Paul and Silas, they're praising in prison, they're not praising because they were beaten. They're not praising because they were thrown in prison. They're praising because they have a testimony. They're praising for what God has already done. They're praising because he's worthy to be praised. They're not praising because they've been beaten. I don't know anybody that praises for whipping. I'm not, I wasn't never the one to say, yeah, my grandmother's gonna whip my behind. No, nobody praises for whipping. They're praising because they have a testimony. And each of us, we have a testimony. Each of us have a testimony that we can tell somebody else. But what what struck me was they were aggravated. Paul was aggravated over here just from her telling the truth. But he's in prison over here praising God. He, he, he was, he, they were aggravated over here because she was just telling the truth. That's all she was doing was telling the truth. But he's in prison over here praising. So this tells us that my praise is not defined by what I see. It de- it's not defined by what I see. We all have a testimony. We all can talk about what God has done for us. See, see testimony and praise run alongside each other. They run alongside each other because we've all been blessed by God. We all can celebrate what God has done. Praise says I, he's worthy to be praised. Praise says if you don't do anything else, God, you've done enough. If you don't get me out of this, you've done enough. If you don't bless me anymore, you've done enough. If I don't get the scholarship, I've already been accepted to the school. If I don't get the promotion, I already have the position that you blessed me with. Praise says, God, if you don't do anything else, you've done enough you've done enough he doesn't just bless us with tangible blessings for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son if you don't do anything else god you've done enough there's a difference in worship and praise worship says i worship you because you're god praise says i praise you because you're you're worthy i praise you because of what you've already done how many of us got to praise we got to praise. Let's celebrate that. We got to praise. Amen? <laughs> Paul and Silas are in prison. Look, look, look at verse 25. They're in prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundation of the prison were shaking. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, now, back in those days, if a prisoner escaped on a jailer's watch, they were executed. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. That's so powerful right there. For we are all here and the jailer called for the lights and rushed in with trembling and with fear. And he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So this right here, it it shows us the power of praise. It shows us the power of praise. And I touched on this a little bit on our Christmas Eve service because the Bible tells us that, that, that God, He inhabits the praises of His people, that He's enthroned by the praises of His people. And what enthroned means is to sit or sit down, to cause to sit or sit down. So Paul and Silas are praising in prison and they caused God to sit down on the prison. And the doors flew open, the chains fell off, there was a shaking in the foundation. And the the jailer wakes up and he says well might as well go ahead and kill myself might as well go ahead and take myself out but Paul is like don't do it we're still here don't harm yourself because if somebody escaped on a prisoner's watch they usually killed themselves because what happens is they were executed So, so they say you know what I'm going to take myself out I might as well do it before somebody else do it so he draws his sword and he begins to go to proceed and kill himself and Paul says don't do it We're still here, and for us to understand the magnitude of that, we have to realize that Paul, he used to be a persecutor of Christians. He strategically threw people in prison himself, so he knew the law. He knew that if a jailer lost his prisoners, they killed themselves. So the doors fly open, and the chains fell off, and they don't try to leave. Paul is plum nickel crazy. Silas is plum nickel crazy, because let's be honest, I'm being honest, I'm gonna tell you the truth. If I was in prison, and the doors flew open, and the the chains fell off, I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm gone. And if Silas wants to stay, I would say, man, i catch you on the flip side, I'll see you when I see you. But see, 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 Paul and Silas, they were centered. They were centered. Christ was at the forefront of their mind, and they knew that if they was there, they were positioned to be there. They were positioned to be there. Can I teach this the way I want to? Amen. Let me teach this the way I want to, the way God gave it to me. Paul and Silas was positioned to be there. They, they knew that they were positioned to be there. What does, what does center mean again? To be placed. To be positioned. They knew that they were positioned to be there. And regardless of what happened, the chains fell off, y'all. The doors flew open. And they didn't leave because they knew that they were positioned. Really put this into perspective. Paul and Silas, they were thrown in prison, fastened in chains. What we see on the physical with Paul and Silas is what was happening with the jailer spiritually. He was in bondage, He he was bound. He wasn't saved. He didn't know who Christ was. But because of praise, see the power of praise, because of praise the doors fly open, the chains fall off, and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? In other words, the jailer was spiritually bound. He was spiritually in bondage. He was not saved. But because of praise, the doors fly open and now the jailer has a chance to be saved. He has a chance for freedom. And he says, what must I do to be saved? What we see is what's going on with this jailer spiritually because listen the doors flew open the chains fell off but Paul and Silas they don't leave and if you drop down in the text you find out that the jailer is the one that escorted them to his own home he escorted them to his home washed their wounds fed them and then took them back to prison so this tells us that the shaking in the prison the chains Falling off. The doors flying open. It really wasn't for Paul and Silas to escape. It was to open the eyes of the jailer. It was for him. The text says he woke up. It was to open the eyes of the jailer. God could be positioning you to reach somebody else. He could be positioning you to reach somebody else. God will position you to reach someone else. Maybe what you've went through this year, maybe what you've experienced this year, it was God trying to center you so you can focus on him. Maybe what you've experienced, maybe what you've went through is God trying to position you to reach somebody else. See, Paul, he knew it best. He understood it best. Look at what he says when, when he, he's in, in jail at another time and he writes to the church in Philippi. Look at what he says. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served To advance the gospel. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, whether that I'm whipped, what has happened to me, whether I'm thrown in prison, what has happened to me, whether my supervisor writes me up, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And maybe you're on a job that you don't like, but could God have positioned you there to reach somebody else? Maybe you're at a school you don't like, but could God have positioned you there to reach somebody else? Oh, I really want to teach this thing. Listen, if you look at Paul's life, you look at his life, he says he was a chosen instrument. God told Silas when when Paul was converted that he was a chosen instrument. And now Paul is being beaten. He's thrown in prison, chained, but he's not complaining, he's not whining. He says whatever has happened, Whatever has happened to me is served to advance the gospel. In other words, I may look like I'm in chains to you, but really I'm a chosen instrument in the hand of God. I may look like I'm in chains to everybody else, but I'm a chosen instrument in the hand of God. So I don't care if you whip me, I don't care if you beat me, I don't care if you throw me in prison. I'm still going to do what I have to do to advance the gospel. Paul is in prison. Him and Silas are in prison. We've all experienced rough times this year. Let's be honest. We've all experienced something. He's in prison, praying and praising because he knew that he may have been positioned there. And if I'm positioned here, that means I'm a chosen instrument in the hand of God. And you may not like the job you're at, but you're a chosen instrument in the hand of, you may not like the school you're at, but you're a chosen instrument in the hand of God. You may not like your neighbors, you may not like the neighborhood you live in, but God could be positioning you to reach somebody else. You're a chosen instrument in the hand of God. And when God gets the plan, uh, chains break off, doors blow open, people are freed. This jailer says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? When God gets the plan an instrument, Paul was a chosen instrument in the hand of God, people are saved. I wonder what would happen if you would be centered, if you would be centered. Because remember that this this girl, she aggravated them over here. Why was he aggravated over here? But, But he was praising over here. He was praising in prison over here in prison, he's praising, but when he's over here freed, he, he's aggravated. Look at, look at what it says. Look at what it says. Verse 17. She followed Paul and us, crying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing many days. Paul, having been greatly annoyed, turned and said to this word, I command you in the name of Jesus... Christ come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Now drop down to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. How? Why was she? they aggravated over here, freed? But they're praising in prison over here. But then I remember that Christians were persecuted for being Christians. So, so, Her walking behind Paul and Silas shouting this, although she was telling the truth, it was really deterring people away from Christ. Because who wants to walk with men that are persecuted? They might end up being executed or thrown in prison. So even though she was walking behind them telling the truth, see, remember, this was an attack of the enemy. She was a fortune teller. She knew the future. So she knew that if I keep badgering badgering them and following them over and over saying this thing, He would cast me out and he would land in prison. But I wonder if she knew that Paul and Silas were so centered in Christ that they could care less about what happened, they could care less about being beaten, they could care less about the, the, the chains fastened on their feet. They didn't even care about the doors being blown open. They didn't even care about a physical freedom. They were so centered in Christ, they were focused on the spiritual freedom of the jailer. And I wonder if God can place you on your job. I wonder if he can place you at your school. I wonder if you could be a chosen instrument in the hand of God, because there may be be somebody there that needs to be saved how else would they have reached the jailer if they didn't go to prison but <laughs> well, we complain about the situations we're in we complain about the problems we had how else would they have reached the jailer if they didn't go to prison prayer and praise prayer and praise prayer everybody say that say prayer, prayer. and praise, praise. prayer and praise. Praise. And what prayer does, prayer allows me to contact God, but praise cause God to sit down on me. So if I gotta pray to God, Every single day this year, I can contact God. But when I really start praising him, if I praise him in the middle of my problems, if I praise him in the middle of my issues, if I praise him in the middle of the, the dysfunction in my household, he will sit down on my house. And when God sits down, all the chains are broken. The doors fly open. Everybody's chains will unfasten. Not just Paul and Silas. Everybody's chains will unfasten. When God sits down on something, nothing that is bound can stay bound. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When God sits down on something, nothing that is bound can stay bound. Nothing. So if he sits down on my marriage, guess what? He'll open the door. If he sits down on my home, guess what? He'll open the door. If he sits down on my house, guess what? He'll open the door. If he sits down on my job, guess what? He'll open the door. He'll give you a chance to have freedom in it. But you have to be willing to praise him in the middle of it. You have to be willing to seek him in the middle of it. Picture this. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in prison. Paul spent a lot of his life in prison, to be honest. He spent a lot of his life in prison, but he continuously writes to churches and tell them to keep moving forward, to advance the gospel. So prison is a mindset. It's something we're thinking about. It's all about perspective. Everybody else seen that Paul and Silas were put in prison, but Paul and Silas knew that they were positioned. They were centered. If I'm here, God wants me here. If I'm going through this, God wants me here. They were centered in Christ and when you are centered as Christ your mindset says, not my will but your will be done. Not my will but your will be done. Not my will on my job, not my will at my school, not my will in my neighborhood, your will be done. But are you willing to get that mindset? Are you willing to praise God in the middle of the problems, in the middle of the issues? Are you willing to be centered and focus on him? What if this year, this year alone, we would end being centered? What if this year we end being centered and we go into 2020 being centered? How many households would be saved? How many lives would be changed? How many churches set on fire? I want to read you something. It's not in the text. It's not on the slides, but I want to read you something. Let me show you what happened when they were censored. They praised God in the middle of it. Then he brought them out and said, this is the jailer taking them out of the prison. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord To him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night, washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. So praise opened the door, not just for the word. Not just for the jailer to be saved. But his entire household. His entire household were saved and baptized. But it all started with praising in the middle of chaos. Because somebody else might be standing in that chaos with you. And they may need Jesus. So are you going to weep and whine? Or are you going to be centered? Is God going to be your focus? Are you going to be christ Minded, because you may have been positioned there purposely. Yes, this was an attack of the enemy, but God used the attack. He uses what the enemy meant for evil, for good. God used the attack of the enemy to position them to reach the jailer. And the jailer's entire house. I wonder how many churches be set ablaze if we would just be centered. I wonder how many people will be saved. How many neighborhoods will be saved. How much we can turn Baltimore around if we would just be centered. This was just two people praying and praising. Look around this room. If two people can lead an entire household, how many households can we lead to Christ? If we would just be centered. It was an attack of the enemy. Yes, it was. She was a fortune teller. She knew that Paul was going to end up doing something to land himself in prison. But God used that attack to reach somebody else. And could God be using what has went on in your life, the things that you've dealt with this year alone, to center you, to position you to reach somebody else? Because we all have a testimony. And we're saved by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. What's your story? What is your story? Can you imagine if we went into 2020 centered, what it would look like? We all cry about the things that has happened, but when we look at it from Christ's point of view, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. It's not happening to me, it's happening for me. Because I may look like I'm in chains, but I'm really being used by God. It's happening for me. I'm a weapon, I'm a chosen instrument in the hand of God. What are you gonna do at the beginning of 2020? Are you gonna end this year focused on God? and go into next year focused on God? Or are you just going to be like me and have that unhealthy sandwich this morning? What are you going to do for 2020? Let's pray.